Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the InfoWars War Room. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. Big show we have for you here today. Glad you're here with us. Lots to talk about. Thought maybe we would just start off this opening five-minute segment just by going through the stack, the stack of news I have here. Tell you what we're going to get into. Just read you some headlines here. First from Popular Mechanics. Don't you love when the headlines start with the word, oops, oops, scientists may have miscalculated our global warming timeline. Oh, whoopsies. Whoopsie daisy. Whoops, we instituted a bunch of tyrannical measures to combat something that doesn't exist. Whoopsies. Oopsie daisy. Sorry about your bloodline ending. Pesticide linked to reproductive issues found in Cheerios, Quaker Oats, and other oat-based foods. We mentioned this yesterday. A major story broke. We're going to get a little bit more into it. The chemical chlormaquat being detected in basically all oat-based foods that have been imported from overseas. And it's a uh, puberty blocker. So there you go, trans kids, courtesy of your breakfast cereal. We're going to talk about what's going on in Armenia as they are warning of a full-scale war with Azerbaijan, which they've already been in conflict. And we're going to break down the bizarre uh, delineations, the, the bizarre lines in this war as we we have some strange bedfellows in the geopolitical sphere israeli arms and drones quietly helped azerbaijan retake nagorno-karabakh which is the armenian enclave so again we'll talk about our who who our allies and who our enemies are in that little conflict contrary to what you would expect we are on the side of the antichrist Middle-class Americans now own less wealth than the top 1%. That's right. The middle class has now been edged out by the one percenters. And actually, we have a uh, we have a graph that we'll look into here. And we'll see exactly how this took place. But yes, the top 1% of U.S. earners now have more wealth than the entire middle class. So the program is working exactly as intended. There you go. They just passed it over. Now, if you see this chart, all the way back in 1990, the top 1% of wealth owners had less than 20% of the wealth, while the middle class had over 35%. But now that's that's switched, and the 1% continues to grow their share of the wealth, while the middle class is deliberately liquidated, as they told you they were going to do. Woke California mayor who axed $10 million from cop budget now wants to fight crime. Berkeley, California axed $10 million from the liberal bastion's cop budget in 2020, but it's made an an abrupt about face and now wants to lead the charge against an alarming spike in crime. Don't worry, folks. The people who created the problem are now here to solve it. Israeli rappers appear to call for the deaths of Dua Lipa and Bella Hadid in a chart-topping song. Because if you uh, speak out against Israel, you deserve to die. That's the, that's the lesson we're learning, and uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit. What Trump prosecutor Fannie Willis's bombastic testimony reveals about who really controls the courtroom. This is from Fox News. A little follow-up. We'll show you some reactions to the embarrassing display of hubris that we saw on the stand yesterday from 
old Fanny. Trump wants to fire thousands of government workers. Liberals are preparing to fight back if he wins. So yes, massive networks of leftist federal agencies are putting laws into place and rules and restrictions that will prevent them from being fired if Donald Trump is elected. So the the real insurrection, the actual coup, is already having the groundwork laid. Again, Azerbaijan planning full-scale war, Armenia warns. We'll, we'll touch on that. We'll get into that as the mainstream media doesn't seem very interested in it. U.S. troops may, new, may soon be on the front line against Russia, warns Senator Coons. Well, I say warns, threatens, threatens Senator Coons. Give us money or we'll kill your children. That's the translation that I'm getting. Oh, and we're just barely scratching the surface here, folks. It's a big day. Stay with us. Harrison Smith presents War Room on InfoWars. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, uh, yet another war, this time in Azerbaijan, that we need to focus on. Pesticides in your breakfast cereal. We've got more information about the Kansas City gunman, the shooting at the Super Bowl parade, which will really prove once and for all InfoWars really is tomorrow's news today, as if you watched the news yesterday, you're not going to learn anything new. Because we predicted all of it. We understood everything about it from just the, the mere context. But let's just continue through this uh, stack of headlines, shall we? The thing is, I try to dive down, I try to dig into certain stories and topics and you know, really explain them from a multifaceted view. But the way I experience this stuff is just like rapid-fire headline after headline after headline, do the news gathering and just have a a giant list. And what I come away with, not anything in detail, but just a panoramic view of the corruption destroying Western society as a whole. So again, we've got pesticides in in the food. We've got scientists admitting that they actually don't know anything about global warming and all of their measurements have been wrong going back literally centuries is the, you know, we'll get into that we'll get into that too middle class just being gutted and liquidated as the 1% solidifies its control we've got trump being persecuted uh, in a million different ways they're now trying to fine donald trump 350 million dollars for nothing for literally nothing so we'll get into that we also have this from modernity.news eu suicide pack threatens to flood continent with 75 million more migrants they call it the soros plan 75 million more migrants still still just the tip of the iceberg st louis park schools say parents can opt out opt students out of lgbtq plus books this is taking place in minnesota and there's actually another headline we'll get to here later in the stack, but it's a little bit misleading. The headline says that Muslims can opt out. It's actually Muslims that were leading the charge and actually got this decision to be able to opt out, but anybody can opt out. It's not just for Muslims being able to opt out, but uh, they are the only ones who, at this point, can advocate something like that. So thank you. Thank you to the Muslims in 
St. Louis for stopping the indoctrination of our children. There's a long and and not particularly uh, new story, but it goes along with the middle class Americans now owning less than the 1%. It's a book review or summation of the glass house, the 1% economy and the shattering of the all-American town, talking about how private equity has systematically eliminated small businesses in this country. Because it's all about consolidation, and we can tie that into the whole globalist scheme as they themselves lay out in their white papers. It's all about consolidation, centralization, and forming the entire society into a singular pyramid structure with the unelected oligarchs at the top controlling everything else through proxies and yeah it's it's a pyramid right it's a flow chart of control we're going to touch on this too from kellen mcbreen a massive and very important story at infowars.com warmongering background of biden undersecretary newland exposed so we'll get into this when we talk about russia which will obviously be a big part of it another story by kellen mcbreen the Great Reset didn't work, the case of electric vehicles. So we'll, we'll put that in with the stack of the climate scientists admitting they don't know anything and are completely wrong because they're completely divorced from reality. An FBI informant has been charged with lying about Biden bribes. So this was an FBI informant who was a whistleblower and blew the whistle on Joe Biden and uh, Hunter Biden. He's now been arrested. So again, we'll get into that. We certainly will. Congress leaves Ukraine aid bill in limbo. But I remind you, if you don't vote for it, they will send your children to die on a European battlefield. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies in jail. This is probably the biggest story of the day. And we will certainly spend some time on this as we explore who exactly Navalny is, what he's been involved in. And my thing about this, I've looked into it and I've done research and we have videos to show you, as a lot of people are are, are talking about Navalny, obviously, now that he's apparently dead. It's one of those things where you go online and everybody that I hate is mourning Navalny. That, That alone, when you see everybody from... Ben Shapiro to Joe Biden talking about what a great hero this man was, a secular saint, if you will. I just have the feeling that he's a CIA asset, bad actor. And then, of course, you do research and you find out that's exactly true. But it's less about like knowing anything about him, but more of just like, okay, all of the worst people seem to love this guy. Everybody who is in favor of war and overthrowing our government and so we can be subsumed under a deep state unelected spy apparatus they all love this guy so we'll talk about him in just a second wall street journal tells readers to save money maybe you should skip breakfast so this is kind of like you know it's a it's apocryphal it's not a true quote but the the story is the french revolution You had the queen saying, you know, being told the peasants don't have enough money for bread. And she says, let them eat cake. Well, if they don't eat bread, they can just eat cake. Showing how disconnected she is. 
It's almost worse. This is almost worse. This is uh, this is like being told, you know, the the peasants can't afford bread, and the response is, well, then maybe they should eat less bread. Maybe they should just eat less. Maybe to deal with the incredible success of Bidenomics, you should just not eat as much food anymore. <laughs> we'll we'll put this in the stack along with the uh, middle class Americans own less wealth than the top one percent. Put that in the economics pile. We'll get to that. Now, the White House has confirmed the U.S. has intelligence on Russian anti-satellite capability. So this is apparently that major threat. That means we have to send money to Ukraine. So just to review over the last two days, we have to send money to Ukraine because Russia has a super secret space technology. We have to send money to Ukraine because uh, a Russian stooge of the CIA died in prison. We have to send money to Ukraine because otherwise they'll send your sons to die fighting Russia on the battlefield. Meanwhile, more young people are on multiple psychiatric drugs study fines. A growing number of children and adolescents are being prescribed multiple psychiatric drugs drugs to take simultaneously, according to a new study. Because our country just can't do anything, right? Children are drugged out. Our parades get shot up. Our breakfast cereal poisons us, but that's fine because our economy is so bad we can't afford breakfast anymore. <laughs> okay. Two, t- two teenagers have been charged in Kansas City Super Bowl parade shooting. Two teenagers. Two people under the age of 18. Now look. I know, I know it might sound liberal for me to say this. I know this sounds like a, a leftist talking point. But when you're talking about gun control, I frankly, I'm in favor of gun control that says children can't buy guns. I don't think children should be able to buy guns. I think that should be illegal. I think children with guns should be illegal. What's that? Okay, I'm just getting a note that that is illegal, that is against the law, and that we don't need any more laws to stop something that's already illegal. Okay, never mind then. Oh, never mind. Right. So it's young people who could not legally purchase guns who had the guns. So now we need, apparently, according to liberals, more gun control to stop the thing that the current gun control already prohibits. Wonderful. We have more updates in Ukraine. Adivka, defenses collapse. Ukraine's evacuate in chaos before being encircled with Russia planting a flag in the very same place that Zelensky took a defiant selfie last October. So as we told you yesterday, Russia reigniting their war machine, starting to advance further into Ukraine because America refuses to allow Ukraine to have peace. EU committee passes migration pact dubbed Soros plan will will result in massive wave of migrants storming the EU borders. This is the same story as this other one, this one from Gateway Pundit. EU suicide pact threatens to flood continent with 75 million more migrants. This is just this is just funny. This bill has been in the news recently, but this story is from back in 2023. A new Florida bill could spell literal death for queer and trans citizens. They say Florida has somehow become an even more lethal place to live for queer and trans Americans thanks for the pa- thanks to the passage of two new bills. The first stipulates that child sexual abuse and acts of pedophilia may be punishable by the death penalty. 
Well, that's very strange. That's a strange thing to say. So if you put pedophiles to death, that represents an existential threat to trans people and gay people. What's the connection there, I wonder? So this, of course, is in the news because I think, uh, is it Idaho or Iowa? I think it's Idaho just passed a law saying that you can put sexual predators to death if their victim is under the age of 12. This, of course, obviously a direct attack on trans and gay people uh, who are closely aligned, I suppose, with uh, pedophiles. So there you go. uh, Seattle students are told it's white supremacy to love reading and writing. And these headlines used to shock me, these types of headlines. But we know now everything is white supremacy, absolutely everything. And at this point, I'm kind of starting to believe them. So here's that headline I was uh, mentioning earlier. It's a little bit misleading. But more true than not, South Park, uh, South Lewis Park in Minnesota agrees to let Muslim families opt out of LGBT curriculum. So, yeah, we have a sacred obligation to teach the principles of our faith to our children without being undermined by the schools, said one of the parents. Of course, as a Muslim, that's a heroic and respectable position to have. If a Christian says it, it's fascism and white supremacy, so... We'll, we'll try to determine the exact nuances there. What the media won't tell you about Alexei Navalny, we'll get into this story from the National Pulse. Again, getting into exactly who this guy was and why he was in prison in the first place. Special counsel charges FBI informant with lying to the Bureau about Hunter and Joe Biden. And this from Germany's interior minister, quote, no one who donates to a right-wing extremist party should remain undetected. So in this case, the AFD is the most popular party in Germany as of the latest elections. And as respecters and lovers of democracy, they're doing everything they can to make it illegal to support that organization. So most popular party in the country, if you donate to them, you'll be put on a watch list and you'll be spied on and investigated as a potential domestic terrorist in Germany. So they're a little bit ahead of us, but we are certainly on the same road that they are. So that's the news. These are the headlines that we're going to get into and cover, and we have a lot of videos to go along with all of them. And of course, we've got political corruption. We've got reading and writing as white supremacy. We've got children with guns shooting up parades, and so you have to give up your guns, and we have to get more gun control, even though the gun control that already exists should have and didn't stop it. We've got the EU opening up its borders to tens of millions more migrants to flood their already overwhelmed immigration system and opposing it or voting for a party that promises to reverse that trend. Uh, will get you labeled as a domestic terrorist and spied on by the intel agencies in Germany. Children on psychiatric drugs, breakfast cereal, turning you gay, and Fannie Willis acting like a complete moron and being celebrated for it. It's all just terrible. (laughs) But let's, let's take it even farther, shall we? Let's take a look at the scientific horrors that are being prepared for all of us as we move into this brave new world 
of chaos and misery. Clip number 17 is yet another yet another quarter in the Alex Jones was right jar. Monkey-human hybrids are in fact real. Let's watch. Serious ethical issues are being raised after it emerged that U.S. and Chinese scientists have implanted human cells into monkey embryos for practical ethics. I asked her if we should see the embryos as human at all. I think um, when we create an organism that is a mix between uh, a human and a monkey, we're really not sure at all what sort of organism we have created. I mean, is it a human? Is it a monkey? Is it something in between? Um, And that raises ethical issues because we don't know how we should treat these creatures ethically. Can we simply use them in scientific experiments? Can we destroy them in experiments when we really don't know what sort of organism they are about um, us not being sure what sort of organism we create, how we should treat it is not so much of a problem uh, for the research we're discussing here, because in that research, as you mentioned, the human monkey chimeras. What an ethical mess. According to two papers published in National Science Review, scientists in China have successfully cloned monkeys with genetic disease symptoms. Researchers from the Chinese Academy of Sciences used the CRISPR-Cas9 method on in vitro fertilized monkey embryos. With no BMAL1 to help manage their circadian rhythm, the resulting monkeys exhibited a wide range. After taking a fibroblast from the gene-edited monkey, scientists used somatic cell nuclear transfer to replace the nucleus of a monkey egg cell with a fibroblast nucleus. 325 embryos were implanted in 65 surrogate monkeys. All five cloned monkeys carried the altered BMAL1 gene introduced in the donor monkey. For biologists, this term describes any organism whose body consists of cells from two different organisms. Why am I telling you about this tonight? Because scientists recently tried creating the world's first human monkey chimera. This is exactly what scientists They integrated human cells into the embryos of a macaque monkey. In simple terms, they created embryos that were part monkey and part human. What happened next? The embryos were grown in the open in a laboratory for 20 days. About it. We still don't fully know what the drawbacks or benefits of creating a human-monkey hybrid could be. But wow, what an interesting question. What, what are the benefits and drawbacks? I guess the benefit would be that you could have a semi-conscious slave race of monster people that can do your bidding and yet not be given the consideration of and, and you know, respect and human rights that humans deserve that would be the the benefit is the slave race of monkey people the the downside would be that you're opening up pandora's box and unleashing a horrifying evil on the earth i guess that i guess it's those two and it reminds me of the book from c.s lewis called the screw tape letters and the very first discussion in that book first conversation all the way back in the 1930s i believe it was published or the 40s of the latest but a little under 100 years ago, the first conversation they have is about splicing monkey DNA with human DNA in order to extend active life. 
right? It can make you younger, young monkeys. And the response from the protagonist of the book is, I'd rather be an old man than a young monkey. So this is a moral dilemma that's been puzzled over for 100 years, but we're not going to let any sort of moral, ethical, just horrors stop us from pursuing this insane new technology as this is what's public this is what's been announced by these people you can only guess what they have hidden in the labs around the world and of course alex jones has been talking about this for decades and it was decades ago that they first successfully cloned monkey dna with human dna or goat dna with spider dna they've been doing this for decades And you have to ask yourself why, 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 why are they doing this? Well, it has to do with eliminating the concept of human rights and actually literally creating non or less than subhuman creatures that you don't have to propagandize, that you don't have to, you know, respect their free will. They're not fully human, so you can do with them what you will. The ultimate dream of the globalist psychopaths. So we'll be back on the other side to break some of this down. We'll probably start with Alexei Nalvani and who he really is, what he really represents. Stay tuned. Go to InfoWarsStore.com to support everything that we do here. It's going to be Open Line Friday, too. We'll probably open up the phone lines maybe in the next segment. Nice and early today, so get ready for that. We'll be taking calls from new callers. I want to see some some fresh names on the list. Hello, Americans. I want to share with you a story. A story about inflammation, the silent menace that lurks within our bodies, affecting our health and well-being. Inflammation, the root cause of countless ailments, quietly wreaking havoc over time. Long-term exposure to inflammation has been linked to a myriad of health issues, from heart disease to arthritis, even cognitive decline. But fear not. For there's a beacon of hope found in the wisdom of nature, a remedy that has stood the test of time, turmeric. And now I present to you Baudis from InfoWarsStore.com, a powerful blend crafted with precision, boasting 95% curcuminoids extracted from turmeric. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, Baudis Ultimate Turmeric Formula, InfoWarsStore.com The War Room InfoWars.com forward slash show The War Room with Harrison Smith where the shields of truth are forged in the fires of inquiry Russian opposition leader Alexei Nalvani has reportedly died in an Arctic penal colony. Western media and politicians are predictably lionizing him as a free spirit and martyr for democracy, but the truth about the 47-year-old is a little bit more complex. This story, by the way, from Jack Montgomery for the National Pulse, what the media won't tell you about Alexei Nalvani, continues, a political chameleon, he spent his final years as a staunch critic of the Ukraine war, advocating for Russia to pay reparations and legalize gay marriage Knowing, as a prisoner of the Kremlin, that his prospects depended entirely on currying favor with the Western establishment and hoping for Putin to come to a sticky end. 
Things were quite different, however, when he was a younger man with a real presence in domestic politics. Back then, Nalvani positioned himself to Putin's right, tying up Russian march activists more concerned with protesting demographic change than corruption. Immigrants from Central Asia bring in drugs. Uh, from Central Asia, bring in drugs, he said in 2012, remarks that would have earned him the lifelong enmity of Western media political class if he'd been an American candidate expressing the same sentiments about, say, Mexicans. He's gone much farther than that, too. Like the Russian march activist he allied with, he advocates a, quote, Russia for ethnic Russians and once posted a video of, of himself dressed as a dentist comparing migrants to cavities in need of removal. He peppered his pitch with photographs of corpses Nazi iconography, and a graphic video of a cartoon character having its lower jaw ripped off. It remains present on his YouTube page to this day and was so objectionable to the Western left that Amnesty International temporarily stripped him of his, quote, prisoner of conscience status when people began pointing it out years after the fact. And it goes on and on, his uh, activities that would, in any other circumstance, make him a staunch enemy of the Western hegemony. But in this case, it was less about what he believes and more about how useful he was as a tool to overthrow Putin, which is obviously the goal in all of this. Biden hopes to God Navalny's death in Russian prison forces House to fund Ukraine war. So we'll go to these clips of uh, President Joe Biden now. Of course, he comes out to make a very strong statement about this. No statement about Gonzalo Lira, the American journalist imprisoned in Ukraine for his free speech who was murdered there. No presidential press conference in the White House for that. No outrage and call for reparations for that murder of an actual innocent guy with no power operating on his own, imprisoned for his speech, trying to flee Ukraine and instead thrown in a jail cell that he never left. And that's, the, you know, like I said, if you know nothing else about Alexei Nalvani, if you were to just peruse social media, you see people on both sides of the aisle celebrating this guy like, like a saint, like Martin Luther King, like a... a Charles de Gaulle, somebody standing up against this despicable tyranny. And yet it's people on both sides of the aisle, all of the worst, all of the worst people. And it's just one of those things about the the modern age where when you have people like Ben Shapiro and Joe Biden both saying the same thing, you know that it's not true. (laughs) When they both treat somebody like a like a saint like a hero like a civil rights activist who should have his his statue in Union Station you know that he's the guy's probably a scumbag I mean that's just how it is and it I mean it sort of goes into to all this stuff but somewhere somewhere in this morass of news there's the there's there's really just two camps and the way I see it and you might not agree with me if you're not a religious person but it really is like 
the pro-Christ versus the anti-Christ. And it's just, it's the side who actually cares about the things that Jesus talked about, about honesty and, and integrity and sacrifice, like real, actual self-sacrifice and humility and just being a good person for its own sake versus everything that's against that, which is like deception, thinking that the ends always justify the means, hubris, selfishness, greed. And it seems to me like all of the people celebrating Nalvani and and mourning his death fall firmly on that Antichrist side. I don't believe anything these people say for very good reason. The number one reason is because of the arbitrariness to their to who they, they claim to care about and what they claim to care about. So when it comes to Nalvani, again, you can compare it to any number of things. You can compare him to Donald Trump as a primary opposition leader being hounded by the entire establishment. You can compare him to January 6 prisoners who themselves have been arrested unfairly, denied a, a fair trial, placed in solitary confinement, tortured to a great degree, many of them driven to suicide because of the persecution against them. You could compare him to Gonzalo Lira in Ukraine, political prisoner, an American killed. And the people doing that are now very concerned about Russia's treatment of political distance. They, they now are expressing a, a heartfelt sadness at whoever this dude is being mistreated by Russia. I'm not even getting into whether he was mistreated by Russia or whether he deserved it or not or whether Russia's tyrannical. It doesn't even have anything to do with that. I'm talking about the reaction from the people in America who do exactly the same thing to a slightly lesser degree, but for all intents and purposes, silencing dissidents by any means necessary up to and including killing your political enemies when you can get away with it. So we'll go to some clips on the other side of uh, Joe Biden giving his press conference, taking to the podium, feeling it necessary to mourn this guy who, as far as I can tell, they only like because he was useful to him. They don't actually care about this guy. Just like they don't actually care about Gonzalo Lira. They don't actually care about any of this. They don't actually care. He's useful to them. And even in his death, they'll exploit him to get whatever political advantage they think they can glean from it. So yet again, I don't, you know, even without doing research into this guy, without looking into whether he was treated fairly by Russia and, and you know, given a, a fair trial or whatever. It's like, I don't have to know about Russia to know that in America, we don't have fair trials. In America, political dissidents are imprisoned. In America, the primary political opposition to the ruling party 
is being charged with like nine different crimes at the same time, each one more baseless than the next. So who cares about what's going on in Russia? Who gives a damn? It doesn't matter. In all likelihood and and at first blush and just my first interpretation is this dude was almost certainly a CIA asset plant who was the main point man in an attempted color revolution overthrow of the Putin regime. And Putin was probably right to want to put him in jail. More right than the American regime is for putting, you know, some father of seven in jail for protesting abortion. So I don't even care about Alexei Navalny, but we'll get into it on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a war against the globalist, and people can't identify who's a patriot and who isn't. We want to identify as pro-human and anti-globalist. We want to let people know we're 1776 Part 2. That's why I designed this amazing 1776 red, white, and blue Gadsden flag shirt so you can support the info war and meet like-minded people everywhere when you wear it. When you wear these shirts, it creates an amazing amount of energy, and it's quite the adventure. So get your 1776 shirt right now at InfoWarsStore.com and get your Team Humanity InfoWars limited edition shirt right now at InfoWarsStore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is antithetical, the complete opposite of what the globalists are pushing. So get both the Team Humanity and the 1776 Gadsden Snake shirts limited edition at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Spread the word, meet like-minded people, and fund the 1776 revolution worldwide. But folks, we're standing up for our rights, we're standing up for your rights, we're standing up for all of our freedoms and our children. If you don't spread the word about the broadcast, if you don't share the links, if you don't buy products at InfoWarsStore.com, then I'm not griping at you, I'm just saying, what are you doing? Less than 1% of you ever buy a product at InfoWarsStore.com. If just a half a percent more would go buy a book or a film or a t-shirt or get some of our great supplements and then reorder them because they really work, just try it. We would be able to do so many things. I'm praying to God that he'll touch your heart to decide to support us. Infowarstore.com. It's been sold out. It's back in stock. Reformulated even stronger. Nitric boost to clean out your blood and your whole body. Vasodilation. It's got a lot of wonderful side effects, and I mean good ones. I'm going to leave it at that. It is powerful, so be careful with it. Next Level Foundational Energy, Infowarstore.com. Or triple eight two five three three one three nine. The War Room. Infowars.com forward slash show. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Joe Biden took to the podium today. A brave effort to speak for several minutes uninterrupted. Incredible success, this beleaguered regime. But he got up to to mourn and to demand money because of the death of Alexei Nalvani. Now again, National Pulse broke down how strange it is that this guy would be a champion of the liberal left American wing as... Throughout his career, he has championed things that are diametrically opposed to everything they believe. 
but that he switched up what he believed from time to time. And we'll go to some videos that expose that. But first, let's go to President Biden here. We'll listen to uh, what he has to say. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to go beyond just pointing out the blatant and infuriating hypocrisy on display here. Try to get into what this really means. But let's go now to the president of the United States mourning this Russian activist. Let's watch. Good afternoon. I uh, I'm heading off to East Palestine at the moment, but I wanted to say a few things this morning about uh, Alexei Navalny. You know, like millions of people around the world, I'm literally both not surprised and outraged by the news. Reported death of Alexei Navalny. He bravely stood up uh, to the corruption, the violence, and the, the all the all the bad things that the Putin government was doing. In response, Putin had him poisoned. He had him arrested. And I'm prosecuted for fabricated crimes. He sentenced him to prison. He was held in isolation. Even all that didn't stop him from calling out Putin's lies. Even in prison, he was a powerful voice for the truth, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. And he could have lived safely in exile after the assassination attempt on him in 2020, which nearly killed him, I might add. And but he uh, he was traveling outside the country at the time. Instead, he returned to Russia, he returned to Russia, knowing he'd likely be imprisoned or even killed if he continued his work. But he did it anyway, because he believed so deeply in his country, in Russia. Reports of his death, if they're true, and I have no reason to believe it or not, Russian authorities are going to tell their own story. But make no mistake, make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. What has happened? Putin is responsible. The buck stops with him. Again, I mean, obviously, the, the, the hypocrisy is overwhelming. It is uh, absurd. When you have one dude who was from Russia originally, but was educated in the West spent most of his time in America and Western Europe only to return to Russia with suitcases full of George Soros cash to try to overthrow Putin on behalf of the Western hegemony. Rings a little bit hollow, the outrage, especially when compared with the literal hundreds of American citizens who are, as I speak, rotting in jail cells Denied speedy trials, kept in solitary confinement and isolation. Like Owen Schroyer, who spent months in prison for saying that he thought the election was stolen. It all just rings so hollow. So again, it's not even about Alexei Nelvani. It's not about Putin and whether he's bad or not. I couldn't care less. Really couldn't care less. It's about the performative, really sickening hypocrisy from the American media. Not a single media outlet, not a single politician, as far as I know, has ever mentioned the name Gonzalo Lira. Now, Gonzalo Lira wasn't a 
political leader. He didn't have well-advertised designs to overthrow the regime of Ukraine. He wasn't funded by Russia to go into Ukraine and try to start a color revolution. Alexei Navalny was all of these things, which would mean that his imprisonment, not his death, but his imprisonment would be much more well-justified than the death of Gonzalo Lira, who was an independent journalist, did nothing, hurt no one, had no political ambitions, and yet was thrown into prison in Ukraine and killed. By the way, for our radio listeners, you should be tuning in. Can we keep that list going? Because the crew is scrolling through a list of people indicted and imprisoned for January 6th, and it is endless. We're only at the D's. Going alphabetically, we're only at the D's, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So for for these people to get up and try to virtue signal their outrage at the mistreatment of this poor Russian activist, it doesn't just ring hollow, it's an insult. You should be insulted that they think so little of you that they think you can be swayed by this. And I guess the I guess the one liberal thing he did was he, he wanted to bring homosexuality to Russia. So obviously he is a he should be a canonized saint in our secular religion under the rainbow flag. But let's continue. Uh, Joe Biden then used this death just like they used him in life to try to continue the war of aggression against Russia. Let's go to clip two here. He was brave. He was principled. He was dedicated to building a Russia where the rule of law existed and where it applied to everybody. Navalny believed in that Russia, that Russia. He knew it was a cause worth fighting for and obviously even dying for. This tragedy reminds us of the stakes of this moment. We had to provide the funding so Ukraine can keep defending itself against Putin's vicious onslaughts war crimes you know yeah yeah we know we know joe we got to send 60 billion dollars to ukraine otherwise you know putin might arrest more cia agents we can't have that now joe biden's not a man to let an opportunity go to waste so of course as is his want he in front of cameras and behind the podium early in the day, fresh, you know, from a, from a good night of sleep. So he didn't want to let that opportunity pass without showing us how uh, brain dead and incompetent he truly is. Let's go now to clip number three, uh, Joe Biden trying desperately to think. I, I guess I should clear my mind here a little bit and not say what I'm really thinking, but let me be clear. He needs to clear his mind. There's too much going on in there. There's too much uh, happening in the mind of Joe Biden. He's, he's all over the place. You realize I would be fired. I would be fired if I did what Joe Biden does. I, I, the way he acts, you would be fired from any job. But he is the most powerful man in the Western world, apparently. 
And of course, again, uh, you know, not only does all of this just ring utterly hollow, when you expand it out too, as he's mentioning the Ukraine war and the funding that we're providing there, it's good to remind you that it's our administration under Obama that started this war in the first place. They're not exactly shy about it. Let's go down to clip number four, where John Kerry says exactly that, says it wasn't Joe Biden corruptly trying to get a prosecutor fired because he was looking in to the business that Hunter Biden was involved in. It was all of us. Everyone in the Obama administration was making money out of Ukraine and wanted this prosecutor fired. Let's watch. I will tell you, because as Secretary of State, I was deeply involved in this. All of us in the administration were trying to get rid of that prosecutor. From Obama to the Secretary of State to the Vice President, all of us were working on that. The ambassador, and and we knew if Ukraine was going to survive and win the revolution in the end, the Maidan, they had to get rid of that prosecutor, and they did. Hmm. Yeah, just so, just so, you know, just make it perfectly clear. It wasn't just Joe Biden being corrupt. We were all staging a color revolution. We were all manipulating the politics of Ukraine in order to drive it away from Russia, in order to wage our proxy war against Vladimir Putin and his regime of Christians. An incredible admission from John Kerry. Hello, Americans. I want to share with you a story, a story about inflammation, the silent menace that lurks within our bodies, affecting our health and well-being. Inflammation, the root cause of countless ailments, quietly wreaking havoc over time. Long-term exposure to inflammation has been linked to a myriad of health issues, from heart disease to arthritis, even cognitive decline. But fear not, for there's a beacon of hope found in the wisdom of nature, a remedy that has stood the test of time, turmeric. And now I present to you Baudis from InfoWarsStore.com, a powerful blend crafted with precision, boasting 95% curcuminoids extracted from turmeric. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, Baudis Ultimate Turmeric Formula, InfoWarsStore.com. Navigating the maze of mainstream narratives, Harrison Smith finds the hidden paths in the war room. All right, folks, we'll finish up with Navalny here and then uh, open up the phone lines for your calls and get into what we know about the shooters from uh, Kansas City. But there, there is still more to say about Navalny. Again, from the National Pulse article, Navalny's anti-imperialist stance concerning the wars Putin has waged in Russia's n- near abroad also appears to be calculated. In 2011, he said the Russians, Belarusians, and Ukrainians were the only ones who would eventually be reunited after the Maidan Revolution, which every time we mention Maidan, just just remember, I don't have to go over it every time, but just remember it was a coup. This was a coup that was carried out with protesters funded by Soros, organized against the duly elected president of uh, Ukraine who didn't want to go with the EU agreement and was siding more with Russia, so they kicked him out of office and held a big protest, and then the Maidan-controlled buildings had snipers on the roof shooting at the Maidan protesters in a false flag massacre in order to galvanize international support 
for the coup that overthrew the duly elected president, kicked off the whole Ukraine war that we now continue to fund and suffer through. Just a quick reminder there. So after the Maidan revolution sparked the first phase of the Ukraine war in 2014, he was equivocal, suggesting Russian intervention was wrong, but agreeing Crimea was essentially Russian and could not be handed back to Ukraine. Towards the end of his life, he changed his mind again, saying Crimea should indeed be handed back to Zelensky. The supposed supposed as evolution of his foreign policy position appears to be starker when we cast our minds back to 2008 when Russia invaded Georgia. Then, still a free man with his 2013 run for Moscow mayor still years in the future, he backed intervention to the hilt and even branded Georgians rodents. Who then was Alexei Navalny, a, f- a firm opponent of Putin to be sure, and one who at times told the Western establishment what they wanted to hear. His true convictions, if he had any, we will never know, but what we do know is the convictions of the people rushing to present him as something he wasn't. And that, again, is the same point I'm making. The people who want to use Nalvani don't give a damn about freedom, democracy, like the rule of law. These people are the ones violating it every chance they get. So just see it as what it is, a very simple power play. They want Putin gone. He was a useful tool to try to bring that about. So he was used and eventually killed for his efforts. Now we can go to clip number 10 here. This is an undercover video of Nalvani himself conspiring with an MI6 intelligence agent from the UK trying to get money to fund a color revolution in Ukraine. Let's watch. Clip 10. Says so if we had more money, we would expand the opportunities, of course. Alexei Nalvani uh, asking a foreign spy for 10 to 20 million dollars to carry out a campaign of propaganda and civil unrest to overthrow the Putin regime. I wonder if was Stuart Rhodes ever caught on camera conspiring with a, a foreign intelligence agent asking for money to uh, carry out a coup in this country? No, nobody was sent to prison for uh, being near the Capitol on January 6th. For being in communication months before with somebody who walked through the crowd into the Capitol. Does it all not ring a bit hollow? Can we not see through the cynical exploitation of your emotions that they're trying to do to get more money from more wars to overthrow Putin? Harrison Smith is where the shields of truth 
are forged in the fires of inquiry. All right, welcome back, folks. This is The War Room. I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines for your calls. I'd like to request that if you are a regular caller or if you've called in and been on the show before, hold off on calling in right now. I would like to get new callers and hear from people that we haven't heard from before. So if you've never called in, now's your opportunity to call in and uh, not hopefully have to wait on hold for too long as we move into some of these other topics. And if there's any topics that you want to discuss from the headlines I read in the first segment, things I mentioned that you have insight into or whatever, give us a call, one 789 2539 one 789 2539 Operators are standing by. Yeah, I saw that, guys. <laughs> Operate, phone operators are standing by to take your phone calls. <laughs> Quick, that was, that was a quick fix. Well done. One eight seven 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 eight nine two five three nine. So, moving on from uh, Alexei Nalvani, but staying in the realm of Russia and Ukraine. Very interesting story from Kellen McBreen on Infowars.com. Warmongering background of Biden undersecretary Newland exposed. Ukrainian filmmaker Igor Lopotonaka uh, Loko. <laughs> Lopatonak Lopatonak posted a viral video, uh, viral Twitter thread on Wednesday, highlighting the nefarious background of Joe Biden's Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland, as the director and producer of Ukraine on Fire, a documentary featuring legendary filmmaker Oliver Stone. Lopatonok has been following the Western Revolution in Ukraine for nearly a decade. Beginning his Twitter thread on Newland, the filmmaker explained her grandparents were from Moldova and Belarus, which may make things personal for her. Toria Newland's real fa- uh, father's real name was Noodleman. Her father's parents were born in Moldova and Belarus. This is how everything that happens in Ukraine is a retaliation on Russia. It's a personal vendetta for Toria. Throughout Newland's career, she's been a foreign service officer serving in embassies in Moscow, Mongolia, and China under the tutelage of warmongers like Dick Cheney. Newland became an expert at helping the military-industrial complex continue their endless wars. Newland, friends call her Toria, spent her entire career as a foreign service officer. She served in embassies in Moscow, Mongolia, and China, but her passion she found in serving the interest of the endless war. Here's Dick Cheney swearing Toria in to serve in the State Department. Lobotonic believes... Newland began working with the CIA after a stint on a, quote, Soviet Union fishing ship in the 1980s. Yeah, nothing suspicious about Victoria Newland taking a summer job on a Soviet fishing ship. After this, she worked for the American Democrat President Bill Clinton, where she led negotiations with former president of the Federal Reserve of Yugoslavia, Slobodan Milosevic, while NATO bombed the nation in 1999. Next big thing in Toria's life as a warmonger and engineer of the Iraq War, together with her husband, Robert Kagan. Kagan is a top globalist social engineer and a founding member of the neoconservative think tank, the Project for the New American Century, and U.S. presidential foreign policy advisor under several administrations, one of the worst people in the world. I'll add as a personal aside. After Bill Clinton bombed Iraq in 1998, Kagan infamously said bombing Iraq isn't enough while pushing for American troops to land on the ground of the Arab nation. The Ukraine on Fire director suggested the Arab Spring also has Toria's fingerprints all over it before addressing her involvement in the Ukraine fiasco. 
Quote, I'm sure that the Arab Spring also has Toria fingerprints all over, but let's go to Ukraine. My dear friend and great investigative journalist Robert Perry wrote this in uh, 2014. Well, in 2012, Newland was allegedly a part of a failed attempt to spark a revolution in Russia. Russian opposition leader Alexei Nalvani was reportedly one of her assets, and the operation was being overseen by then-U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. So there's the connection to Nalvani and Ambassador Mick Fall, who was also uh, you know, very, very emotional, very upset about the uh, death of Nalvani. The director also posted a link to his documentary and provided a few additional links for people to research before Twitter CEO Elon Musk commented interesting thread on the post. This is actually from... Uh, last February. So this was posted a year ago, but it's worth revisiting in the wake of uh, Nalvani's death, reminding everyone that he was, in fact, an asset of the American State Department, who is and has been for years hell-bent on getting America into all sorts of wars for their own personal vendettas. This is exactly how Victoria Newland, acting in favor of Hillary Clinton, was inserting Christopher Steele dossier on Donald Trump into the State Department excerpt from a documentary revealing Ukraine. And you understand all of this is connected, all of it's intertwined. There's a reason that they chose Russia to be the boogeyman in 2016 to claim that Trump was a a Russian puppet. You get that this is a this is psychological priming for the eventual open conflict with Russia. The clandestine conflict had been going on for years and years. Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State under Obama, and my interpretation of this, she had the reset button. The way the globalists work is if you come willingly along, they prefer that. They prefer you to willingly lock yourself in the cage. They prefer countries like Russia to willingly subsume their national interest under the globalist agenda. And so they'll go there and say, oh, this is a reset button. We got a reset button. We're going to click it together. And... Uh, I think it was Lavrov, the foreign minister at the time, going, okay, thank you for the button, but uh, we have business to get to. And so they wanted to bring Russia under the confine, you know, maybe get some World Economic Forum actors in your in your administration, maybe let us seed and, and you know, infiltrate into your power structures, our subversive agents. And Russia didn't want to let them do that. And so... The Ukraine coup was launched, and the NATO advancement was accelerated. So you can come along nicely with the globalist, and they'll pretend to be your friend, but if you rebuff them, then it's knives out, claws out, full-on offensive. And that's more or less uh, what happened here, but you can see a similarity to the way Russia versus the West operate, not just in Ukraine, but there's a, a similarity to how Things went down in the Middle East where, you know, obviously it was most likely for the benefit of Israel, but the people that run America really wanted uh, Bashir al-Assad out of office. So, you know, the way they try to bring that about, we just had the disaster of the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war. So getting directly into a conflict in Syria probably wasn't on the table. It wouldn't be as easy to false flag us into uh, another endless war in the Middle East. So instead, they went with the subversive uh, clandestine strategy of starting ISIS, starting the Arab Spring, trying to make the overthrow of Bashir al-Assad, which they had been projecting and, and desiring for a long time, making it look like it was some sort of 
groundswell grassroots campaign by the young people in the Middle East or, uh, you know, some sort of democratic mission by people that turned out to be ISIS. (laughs) So what happens is America loves to do things clandestinely. Israel loves to do things clandestinely. If they can carry out coups while remaining completely in the shadows, using puppets, using activists, funding disruptive and subversive groups secretly, even you know using international finance like the IMF to install control mechanisms in different countries. They prefer to do things clandestinely. They prefer to do things quietly from the shadows. And then Russia basically stops them at a certain point. So it's the same thing that happened in Syria. It's the same thing that happened in Ukraine. So we we start ISIS. We start the Arab Spring. We, you know, false flag about chemical weapons, trying to get Bashar al-Assad out of office. Eventually, Russia just like calls up Bashad and, or Assad and is like, hey, do you, do you need jets? Can we just come in there with tanks and just put a stop to this? So this is the image I get. It's like the Americans... And the globalists are are like the weasels, sneaky little ferrets. They're trying to undermine everything. And then eventually, once they like get too close, the Russian bear just comes in and stomps them. Just goes, all right, we're sending the military in and we have an agreement with Syria. We get full operational capacity throughout the entire landmass. So we get to do whatever we want. We'll bomb whoever we want. And it's not violating international law because we're invited to do so by the... uh, legitimate government of the country same thing happened in ukraine right russia's doing things above board america's sparking revolutions color revolution maidan snipers false flag all secretive and then russia's just like all right send in the troops (laughs) it's like okay enough of that enough of that we're not going to try to out subverse you we're not going to try to out you know sneakily manipulate everybody we're not going to compete with you on that front We're just sending in the army to stop you. You absolute ruthless deconstructionist. So there's there's a continuity here between all of these things. And of course, Victoria Newland, Robert Kagan, I mean, their entire careers, their entire existence, it's been decade upon decade upon decade of starting ridiculous foreign wars that hugely damage the United States. They kill millions of people and cost us billions of dollars, achieve nothing except to humiliate and ostracize us from the rest of the countries in the world, not directly under our control. And not only do they get away with it, they just do it again. They just do it again and again and again. They're celebrated for it. Nothing they've done has been successful nothing they've ever pursued from a nationalistic geopolitical perspective nothing has brought a single benefit to america and yet they're still in power they're still supposedly respected and they retain the ability to carry out more and more and more of these regimes I want to move out somewhere like West Coast, not West, West Coast, maybe like Wyoming or something. Mm-hmm. Somewhere out there, like 
And also, too, uh, you, you uh, Harrison, you were talking with Owen and uh, Alex about the uh, about Joe Biden, like, being replaced or us trying to, like, uh, impeach him, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my opinion on that is I agree with Owen on that after I thought about it because um, they're going to – they want to take him out of there anyway. And also, too – let them get. Let us get more dirt on them until we become. You know what I mean. Until the election. That's, um. Yeah. No. I, I. I definitely get that idea. I mean. I. I just think. Whatever we can do that puts them on the defensive, I'm in favor of. So, like, even though it's the last year of the presidency and he's not really running things anyway, it's like at least make them justify their own actions. At least put the burden on them to defend themselves. From an attack rather than us constantly being on the back foot and always, you know, just defending ourselves from their legalistic attacks. So I'm in favor of whatever can be done to put them on the back foot. Uh, And also with the like getting dirt, it's like, how much more dirt do we need? How much more dirt can there possibly be on Joe Biden? I mean, what else is there to uncover? The man last week had a special counsel say in no uncertain terms, in black and white, in a full-fledged 100, 300-page report that he committed crimes, that he violated the law. And then they said, but he's too stupid. So he's too stupid to be charged. So we know he's mentally incompetent. We know he's corrupt. We know he has made millions upon millions of dollars off of their corrupt activities. We know that he used his position as the vice president to you know, wield power over Ukraine and get a prosecutor fired for the benefit of not just his son, but John Kerry's kids and uh, Nancy Pelosi's kids and Mitt Romney's kids. Like, how much more dirt could we possibly have? Is there anything that could be uncovered that would actually do damage to Joe Biden when you have a media this sycophantically dedicated to him? I mean, the man... I don't even like talking about, but the man abused his own family members to the point that they, his, it was his daughter or his niece was like, I have to take showers late at night. So Joe doesn't join me. It's just, it's creepy beyond belief. So that sort of thing. It's like, oh, we need more dirt on Biden. What, what else could you possibly have? The man is everything wrong with politics in America embodied in a single vessel? And yet it hasn't slowed him down at all, and, and he's still incredibly popular with Democrats. So I don't know. I don't know what uh, more dirt would even mean when you have, when he is literally, he is dirt. Everything about him is dirt. So I don't know how much more dirt we could possibly have. But thank you so much for the call. Andrew, I do appreciate it, and uh, I think what Tucker's doing, exposing what Russia's really like, hopefully can break through to some people and make them question what they thought we were doing in Ukraine. But let's go to Matt in Oregon, because he says he has the real reason we're in Ukraine fighting Russia via proxy. Go ahead, Matt, you're on the air. Hey, Harrison, how you doing? Good, thanks. Hey, okay, so I'm not the only one that remembers this. Stu Peter talks about this a little bit. But around 2014, 2015, Putin nationalized the central bank. And the Rothschilds have been screaming mad ever since. And that's why we're in Ukraine trying to overthrow Putin. And if you doubt me, 
Um, three American presidents tried to nationalize the, the central bank. Andrew Jackson survived the assassination attempt. I think the gun jammed, but Lincoln and Kennedy did not. And you look at what they did to Gaddafi in Syria. He, um, Libya, Libya, he tried yeah. to... Yep, tried to create the gold-backed dinar, and they took him out, and the first thing they did was confiscate the gold and re, uh, create a new central bank. That's why we're in Ukraine trying to overthrow Russia. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I, I, I didn't know that about Russia's central bank, but that's, I mean, that's always sort of a key component of these efforts to, to overthrow countries is because they don't have a central bank. I mean, you know, it, it used to be posted all the time. I haven't seen it in a while, but you know, people will post the list of countries without a central bank, and it's a list of countries that America has helped to infiltrate and destroy over the last couple decades. So, yeah, that's very much – I mean, that is the control mechanism. The the international banking system, central banking system, the IMF, the Rothschilds, I mean, that is the control system that they're insistent everybody needs to be under. And if you're not, you get attacked. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're exactly right. So when it was 2014 that that happened? 2014, 2015, around that time frame. And you, I, I think the Iranians don't have a IMF-controlled central bank either. Right. So if, if you want to check this out, there's an article in a YouTube video um, by Mike Rivero called All Wars Are Bankers' Wars. Not mm-hmm. that I agree a lot with Michael, but that's an interesting uh, take on or explanation on how bankers control wars and create wars. Yes, that's a classic. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the call, Matt. Uh, let's go to Michael in FEMA Region 10, also has a comment on uh, Putin's Russia. Go ahead, Michael. You're on the air. Yeah, Harrison. Hey, I just, first of all, I just want to tell you that I think you do a great job. Oh, thank you. And uh, um, But the, the, I think the last caller from Oregon, um, a neighbor state of ours uh, where I am, uh, is correct. It's a component of what's going on. And, and I think if we look at you know the uh, the Russian Revolution or the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, which was during World War One, that was a bankers' war. Um, you notice in the 1930s in America, FDR um, changed America to a more socialist uh, configuration, and then World War Two radically transformed us, and we haven't had a constitutional war since World War Two. In my opinion, the the Ukraine war is really a banker's war. Uh, we know that money is a major factor. We see Rand Paul uh, sounding off because Rand Paul's a patriot and he knows, but most people in Congress are not. This is about money flowing in. But really what they're doing is they're just killing people on both sides. They're killing Christians. Mm-hmm. That's what this is about. They've been killing Christians since World War One. When, when the Bolshevik Revolution happened, they were doing the same thing in the United States of America. If you go into the cities and you read, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the, the historical documents, uh, Saul Alinsky-type stuff that was even from back then, they were undermining American culture within the cities because they had a foothold. Their competitive advantage was uh, race relations, frankly, mm. and socialism. 
but America was too strong because we were too, we were so Christian back then. So they knew they had to break us down in the schools and through media and movies, etc. And that they took out the Russians. They killed over 20 million Christian mm-hmm. Russians. Russians and Americans are very similar people. I've been to Russia. I was in Russia in 1994. I went to Moscow and, and Petrograd, St. Petersburg, which was. Uh, formerly Leningrad. Mm -hmm. And the people there um, are very much like us. They're very uh, kind uh, people. They're very devout people. They're very strong people. In fact, I went in January of 94 to Moscow, and I was driving into Moscow on the bus, and there's the river. I think it's the Moscow River that goes through Moscow, and there's chunks of ice floating. I look over, and there's, there's four or five Russians swimming in the river. These are tough people. Oh, they're certainly tough. They're certainly tough people. No, that's the that's the tragedy of of war, and it and it always is. Anywhere you go in the world, you're going to find the vast majority of people are nice, decent people that you can get along with. It's uh, the leadership that has to trick us into wanting to kill these people. You're exactly right. All right, we'll be right back, folks. Hello, Americans. I want to share with you a story, a story about inflammation, the silent menace that lurks within our bodies, affecting our health and well-being. Inflammation, the root cause of countless ailments, quietly wreaking havoc over time. Long-term exposure to inflammation has been linked to a myriad of health issues, from heart disease to arthritis, even cognitive decline. But fear not, for there's a beacon of hope found in the wisdom of nature, a remedy that has stood the test of time, turmeric. And now I present to you Baudis from InfoWarsStore.com, a powerful blend crafted with precision, boasting 95% curcuminoids extracted from turmeric. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, body's ultimate turmeric formula, InfoWarsStore.com. The War Room, InfoWars.com forward slash show. Peeling back the layers of the day's events to reveal the core truth. War Room with Harrison Smith. All right, folks. Uh, we have a lot of other news to cover, but most of our callers have called in about Ukraine and Russia, so we'll stick with that topic for now. And on that topic, we told you yesterday about the Russia advances in Adivka, the, a, a stronghold sort of on the edge of uh, Donetsk, or uh, Donbass, rather. And... You know, my interpretation of this is that Russia basically achieved what it essentially wanted to and was sort of happy where they were, wanted to have a a peace agreement, say, we can put an end to this. You just got to allow us to administrate these provinces. You got to stop bombing them and stop trying to take them from us. So we didn't let them do that. U.S. and U.K. and other NATO allies interfered and prevented that peace agreement from coming about and so Russia was like all right well now we need a buffer zone so now they're moving forward and advancing and at the failure of the Ukraine counteroffensive the Russian counter counteroffensive now has begun and they're having massive success story gateway pundit Adivka defenses collapse Ukraine's evacuate in chaos before being encircled the Russian flag flies in the same place where Zelensky took his defiant selfie. Russian forces have divided the strongly fortified Donbass city of Avdika, 
Avdivka in two, and they're strangling Russian troops in the southern section as they now control the main supply line while combat is ongoing in the north around the bastion of the coke plant. One image that serviced yesterday is that the Russian flag has been unfurled at the Stella, the exact place where Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky took a defiant selfie picture. And there's the, the picture there. I'm not sure exactly when that picture was taken, but, you know, one of uh, one of Zelensky's propaganda coups. In the other video, you see Ukrainian service members leaving the Avdivka area. The Stella is clearly visible, and the soldiers in that video are fairly elderly, not exactly the young men you would expect to be fighting this war because I think they've all been killed already. And so now it's old men and people with Down syndrome and women that are being forced to the front. The Ukrainian brigade was urgently dispatched. We covered it yesterday. The story yesterday said Azov Battalion dispatched to Avdivka. Well, they were urgently dispatched to reinforce Avdivka's and uh, Adivka and is now completely surrounded, and the situation is critical. Azov, transferred to Adivka, is already whining that they are in their worst nightmare. The militants released a video with the description, Adivka, coke plant, 60 aerial bombs, day and night, enemy shelling from artillery and MLRS, continuous assaults on armored vehicles and imagery... Enemy infantry invasion. They use phosphorus shells, which can cause f- uh, fuel tanks to catch fire. Toxic smog threads through the, uh, spreads through the plant. Basically, what we see now is that the defense of the Ukrainian armed forces in Adivka are collapsing all around, with Russian forces having taken the 40 fortified areas. Pro Kiev Channel Deep State says it's it's that uh, says that not everyone managed to escape from the Zenit. Cherubushka base while running away. Thousands of defenders now face encirclement. The last escape routes of the Ukrainian armed forces are being cut off, withdrawing forces from Abdivka. They've suffered heavy losses from Russian strikes, but also friendly fire and sheer loss of orientation leading to minefields. So not going well for the Ukrainians. Yet another tragedy added to the list of ones that could have been avoided by actually negotiating a peace at some point long, long ago. With that, we go back out to your phone calls. We've got uh, Joey in Vermont wants to talk about war and our money being sent to other countries. Go ahead, Joey. Hey, Mr. Smith. How you doing tonight? Good, thank you. Good, good. Um, you know, just overall, really quick, uh, you just look at um, Hawaii and you look at like Ohio and, you know, most people can't afford anything. And then the most recent bill was like $96 billion dollars cumulatively going to, you know, Israel and Ukraine. And we spend so much money on war just, like, worldwide. And, you know, people are dying left and right. And, you know, I think, like, the math was, like, you could, like, end world hunger with, like, a billion dollars not too long ago. That was, like, a U.N. number, I thought. And it just it's just insane, you know, how they just spend all of our money and then everything's, you know, in the name of our safety, and then nothing is safe. Mm. You know, like the borders wide open, the DAs don't enforce anything. And while everything, you know, becomes more and more unstable and the world becomes more poor, they just take more control, you know? It's almost like it's all on purpose. It's almost like they're deceiving us, Joey. No, you're you're exactly right. And, you know, they they it was like a year long back and forth. They refused to give Donald Trump five billion dollars to build the wall. Five billion dollars was beyond the pale. It was too much money. How dare he ask for that much money? 
we spend $5 billion, I don't even know, every couple of months dealing with the crisis that has come about because we never built the wall, never reinforced the border. So it's it's all ridiculously absurd. And saying these numbers, we, we almost get, we, we just get used to hearing them. We shouldn't be used to even hearing numbers this size. I need to do an update because a couple years ago, before I was on American Journal or anything, I did a special report talking about George Soros spending $18 billion to influence American elections. And it was just called, you know, what can you buy with $18 billion? It's, it's insane. It's like literally you can buy like every castle in Europe, every island, you know, under 10 miles wide, like every private island. You could buy all of them. You could fund space shuttles and space stations and stadiums. And like when you list out what you can buy, and that was just $18 billion. Take it up to $95 billion. I mean, Owen did a piece uh, or, or talked about this on War Room earlier this week where it's like, you know, the state-of-the-art stadium in Las Vegas, a job creator, a money maker, a, a beautiful, gigantic piece of infrastructure, and it costs under $2 billion. So just think about a hundred, the 100 biggest cities in America all having a massive infrastructure program take place there. Again, I would rather our government, you know, A, not exist, but if they have to exist, B, not take our money and spend it. But if we're going to spend our money, if they're going to take our money and uh, spend it on something, I would rather it be on something that even tangentially benefits us, even just by accident might benefit some of us by giving us a stadium or nicer roads or airports or bridges. I mean, our bridges are collapsing. Every report that comes out is like 60 plus percent of American bridges are in imminent danger of collapse. It's insane. It is insane the amount of money that we're spending on this stuff. And uh, maybe maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to actually like, because there's such big amounts of money, it's like impossible to even imagine what you could buy with it. But what we're buying with it is um, eternal war and global enmity. So that's what we're purchasing. Thank you so much for the call, Joey. Uh, let's go to John in Texas. Want to talk about Russia? Uh, John, thank you for calling in. You're on the air. Oh, we only have about a, about a minute left, but uh, we'll hold you over if, you're, if your comments take longer than that. Go ahead, John. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Uh, I just wanted to, uh, it's Lebanon, John. I wanted to remind everybody that me and Harrison in the past, we covered these prophecies about World War III. It's been a while, and now I think they're more relevant than ever because uh, the Muslim commander for Putin, Kadyrov, he said that after Ukraine, they're going to keep going. And, uh, I, you know, I, I personally don't look at these guys as, as uh, the bad guys or something, um, even though he said that. So uh, I bet the West had a part to play in making them come to that conclusion because they, as Putin said in the speech, you know, rejected being uh, neutral with Russia three times. So that's probably why they're, you know, saying we're just going to fight. But, uh, yeah, so after Ukraine, he said they're going to keep going. And so where would they keep going? What does that mean? Uh, well, Putin's speech, he laid it out pretty clear that um, the, the Vatican and Rome, uh, through Poland and through the fake Ukrainian church that they just made, they, they want to Catholicize and uh, incorporate uh, these Orthodox groups you know, into the Vatican. And uh, Putin is willing to fight for his co-religionists. 
So All right, we'll see. Stay, stay on the line, John. we got to go to break. We'll be back in a couple minutes, and I want to pick it up there because uh, I mentioned the prophecy yesterday, but I didn't actually get into it. So let's revisit that prophecy and see how Orthodoxy and Catholicism plays in to the Ukraine conflict. Hello, Americans. I want to share with you a story, a story about inflammation, the silent menace that lurks within our bodies, affecting our health and well-being. Inflammation, the root cause of countless ailments quietly wreaking havoc over time. Long-term exposure to inflammation has been linked to a myriad of health issues, from heart disease to arthritis, even cognitive decline. But fear not, for there's a beacon of hope found in the wisdom of nature, a remedy that has stood the test of time, turmeric. And now I present to you Baudis from InfoWarsStore.com, a powerful blend crafted with precision, boasting 95% curcuminoids extracted from turmeric. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, body's ultimate turmeric formula, InfoWarsStore.com. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. Why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. The War Room. InfoWars.com forward slash show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. John from Texas has called in. I mentioned the prophecy a little bit yesterday, John, uh, but but didn't really get into it. For people who haven't heard it, just a, a the re- very quick summation is essentially a prophecy about Turkey trying to invade or attack Greece, Russia coming in to defend their co-religionist with the Orthodox country of Greece, and essentially nuking Turkey, like going all out against Turkey attacking turkey savagely and uh, basically it's it's a prophecy about how world war three will start over uh greece and turkey and and a a conflict there and i hadn't thought about that in terms of what um putin was talking about but when he goes into the history and he's portraying russia as as many orthodox refer to it like the third rome where you had Rome, and then you had uh, Constantinople, which was the capital of the Byzantine Orthodox Empire, and then you had a what was it, a princess from uh, the Byzantium going up and moving to Moscow, and then when uh, the Byzantine Empire was destroyed in a combination by Islamic immigration, and then the Catholic Crusades that came ostensibly to help the Orthodox 
fight the Islamics, but ended up turning on the Orthodox and like sacking Constantinople themselves. And so Constantinople fell, or, uh, Turkey became Turkey, stopped being Byzantium. And so Moscow represents the new home of the Orthodox Church. But how does this play into what Putin was saying in his interview with Tucker Carlson? Right. So um, basically he's saying he tried to make peace with NATO multiple times, uh, three times to be exact, is, is the ones that he listed. And, he, and basically it sounded like uh, somebody, Putin, uh, in his usual fashion, giving people the chance to avoid violence by basically saying, well, I've tried diplomacy, I've tried peace, I've tried communication, and it didn't work. I've tried three times. Now I'm justified for violence. This is like a code of ethics or something because he's trying to be orthodox. You know, he himself, whatever flaws he may have, he's trying to operate under these basic rules that if you're gonna if you're gonna go to war with someone, you got to try peace a couple times first. In fact, these are even rules in Islam in the Quran. That's what it says, and you have to give them the chance before you can attack them. Violence can't just be uh, unprovoked and. Uh, without warning. And so these, what this, the speech represents warning. He's saying, I feel camaraderie. All of the Russians feel camaraderie with Serbia, even though it's not really, you know, anywhere near Russia. It's quite a distance away from Russia, and there's a lot of countries between Serbia and Russia. But nonetheless, nonetheless, he feels sympathy for, under Bill Clinton, the breaking up of Yugoslavia leading to Kosovo and the assistance of Muslims by the United States and NATO. Uh, and it was, a, it was a huge episode. A lot of us were little kids or possibly not even born yet. But basically, it was a really dark time. NATO bombed Orthodox Christians on their Easter, even riding on the missiles, Happy Easter. And they commanded Wesley Clark, who was the head general of NATO forces at that time, to bomb a Russian base. And he refused and had to be removed from his post. Hmm. And many people accredit him with averting World War III in, in those days. Nonetheless, in those days, Russia supported the Serbians. Now, this is a very controversial issue because people from Bosnia who are Muslim, they hate the Serbians because they say that they were being genocided. And then the Serbians will say, well, they were genociding us back. This is one of the most controversial, uh, heated divisions uh, between brothers that you'll ever find. These are Slavic people where half are Orthodox, half are Muslim, and NATO came in 100% on the Muslim side. So all you, you know, Western, pro-Western people who are like, you know, oh, but the Muslims are the threat. No, your leaders supply and fund and radicalize the worst Muslims, okay? So you need to realize Saudi Arabia has been an ally of the United States forever. So this concept that we're going to stand against Islam in the West, no, that's very simple. So why is Catholic okay, but Orthodox isn't? Why is this Muslim okay, but this Muslim... See, there's a, there's a, the truth is, is that they have a plan for one world religion. All the denominations that are under their control are cool. They don't care. You're under their control, that's fine. If you're independent, you've got to be removed. So the Orthodox Church, out of Russia specifically, and other ones too, but specifically the Russian Orthodox, is protected by a strong Russian state, and it is independent. What that means is, when they go forward with their big agenda to roll out one world religion, after they rebuild the third temple and roll out the fake Messiah, the one world religion, it's the, the Pope is going to command his followers to go along with this. So is the mainstream Muslim authority, and obviously so are the Zionists. Why am I saying obviously? Well, because it's the Zionists who are literally going to build the Third Temple and are going to roll out the fake Messiah. Patriarch Kirill 
of the Russian Orthodox Church has said that we will fight against the Antichrist. We'll never succumb, we'll never fold into this one religion, and so they have to be, you know, they are slated for destruction, or they're listed as, uh, you know, people who can't be there. So what? So Ukraine is, is the headway, the, the, the tip of the spear against Russia. And the, they provoked Russia intentionally, probably to try to bog them down. I mean, they're going to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian. They don't care about Ukraine <laughs> at all. And so they've, all of Ukraine used to be Russian Orthodox, and the Orthodox people in Ukraine, they're in the exact same religion as the Russian Orthodox, to the point where they have the same bishop, uh, Patriarch Kirill. I mean, it's literally the same exact religion. So they are uh, brothers and cousins going back for a long time. So when Western Ukraine got taken over by Poland, in the speech, Putin is talking about how the Orthodox Church is... Uh, shoot, we, uh, we lost you there, John. Dang it, I was like very enthralled, <laughs> I was very enthralled in that. Because, yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, I know one thing I can say is it was – so the Ukraine churches were under the authority of uh, the bishop, the Russian Orthodox Bishop Kirill, and they wanted to break away, I guess, and create their own church, which is the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. And they got permission to do that from the metropolitan, the bishop in Istanbul, which is, which is weird, which is not – he didn't have authority – to give the, you know, he couldn't give them the right to break away from the Russian church. It would, would have had to have been Kirill. It would have had to have been the, the, you know, Moscow bishop who would have to give Ukraine permission to leave. And he didn't. Instead, it was the bishop from Istanbul kind of a, a, almost acting like a pope of orthodoxy. And orthodoxy doesn't have a singular pope. Uh, John, I understand you're back. We got cut off there. We have three minutes left, yes, though. Yes, exactly. So the, the State Department the CIA have installed a, a bishop in a position, a prominent position in the Orthodox world, the Patriarch of Istanbul or Constantinople, the same city, changed its name. So historically, that's where the Byzantine Empire was officiated out of. So that's supposed to be one of the most important uh, patriarchs of the entire Orthodox world. But that was like a thousand years ago. Since then, we call Moscow the Third Rome, and the Russian state was, I don't know how many years, maybe 800 years, maybe 700 years of Orthodox Christian uh, government. So that's why it, it has the title of the Third Rome. But anyway, the point is, through the State Department, through the CIA, for the plan of the Antichrist, they want to roll Orthodoxy into the Vatican system. That By 2025, they're going to declare that Orthodoxy and Catholicism have unified, and this is totally phony and totally fake. So it's very similar to how in Catholicism, you have tradcasts who don't really like the current movements in Catholicism, but basically the authorities are going to move on and, and create a religion, a type of Catholicism that they don't agree with, and they're just going to be, I don't know what, they're going to be in their own denomination, or they're, going to, they're like, we're the real Catholics. Well, they're trying to do the same thing to the Orthodox, where the official bishops, they want them all to go with the Antichrist. And if you want to stay actually Orthodox, it's almost like you're not even going to have an official bishop, because remember in the Bible it says, even the elect will be deceived. So as you get closer to the end times, it's going to be harder and harder and harder to find a church that isn't completely taken over. And that's why you got people like Brother Nathaniel, who talks about the Russian Orthodox Church is legit, because they are not going with this agenda whatsoever. And they basically come out and publicly said, Russia as a state is actually going to fight in war against the Antichrist. They say this publicly. And, and so people in America don't even know this is being discussed. They are, they've, they've explained that if 
their co-religionists come under attack, that they're willing to go to war for that. And so that sounds to me like laying the groundwork for how they're going to continue the war against NATO. And Turkey is the weakest link. Uh, and also Turkey is occupying uh, Orthodox Christian uh, land uh, historically. Wow, yeah. And then uh, and there's some other you know updates to this. Just a few days ago, uh, Greece um, legalized gay marriage, the first Orthodox country to do so. And then, of course, we know, as as we've heard, John, we had a, a call with a with a Protestant who was very in favor of the coming Messiah, thinking it was Jesus Christ coming again, uh, which would be, for most people in the Orthodox Church, the Antichrist. So Protestants, Catholics, Jews, Muslims, all awaiting the coming of this Messiah after the building of the Third Temple, unified under a single religion, as we've discussed on this show many times. People like Alex Newman reporting on uh, actually buildings and, and the Abrahamic faith all combining into one. Fascinating stuff. Hey, let me start by saying you do a great show. Thank you. And let me point out that I took X2 iodine. I started taking that stuff. The best iodine I think I ever found is what you guys are selling. When did you start taking and it? I, about four years ago, I had high blood pressure, and I was on blood pressure medicine. Mm-hmm. And I started eating a little better, but my blood pressure stayed high. And when I took X2 iodine, after about three or four weeks, I think my body detoxified of a bunch of metals stuff that my body was storing and my blood pressure came down the perfect level and i tell people the only thing i did was x2 iodine and even though i do think all your other products are good i recommend to anybody that they start with x2 iodine because it detoxifies your body and kind of kicks your natural dna in into uh full force so in my in my life i found x2 iodine the best i tried other iodines and they didn't have the same effect, but so X2 iodine, I really wanted to point that out. 